At some point in our lives, we've all experienced overwhelm, anxiety, fear, or anger. And our body goes into this fight, flight, or freeze mode. And it triggers our sympathetic nervous systems to go on high alert. And in today's episode, we are going to be diving into the topic of big emotions and how they can be difficult to deal with, especially when we're young. So how do we respond to these intense emotions? For so many people out there, food becomes a source of comfort and a way to cope. Turning to chips and cookies and ice cream, whatever it is. You get that dopamine hit that masks the effects of the cortisol and the stress. But here's the thing, those emotions keep coming back. And so then you keep turning to the food or whatever it is that's helping you cope and manage things. And that's exactly how habits are formed. In this episode, I'm having a very profound and personal conversation with Erin Tusa Thatcher. She's an integrated health and strength coach who specializes in weight loss by focusing on behavior patterns and root causes of wellness habits versus the typical no pain, no gain approach to doing things. Erin opens up about being bullied as a child and how she turned to food to cope, how her experience of auditioning for Canadian Idol and being told you've got the goods but you don't look the part impacted her behaviors as well, and her unhealthy drive to prove her worthiness by getting fit. If you're somebody who's developed an emotional attachment to food or exercise, you are definitely going to want to listen to this episode. So let's dive in. You're listening to the Limitless Life Podcast, helping you simplify mindset and energetics by giving you easy-to-use strategies that'll help you ditch the self-sabotage and move through resistance so you can create your limitless life and business. I'm your host, Brenna Johnston, and as a subconscious mindset strategist, I've learned over the years how to make the deep transformational work even easier and far more effective. So join me weekly for new episodes and get ready to step into your highest potential. Welcome back to the Limitless Life Podcast, or welcome if you're new here. I'm your host, Brenda Johnston, and today I have a guest with me, Erin Tusa Thatcher, and she is an integrated health and strength coach, as well as a business owner. She and her husband just opened up a training facility here in my hometown of Guelph. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the podcast, Erin. Hey, girl. Thank you so much for having me. Such a pleasure to be here. I know I've been... uh, crying for a while so I just love your work and I love what you do and I just appreciate the opportunity and just like ready to talk everything I love it it. well one of the reasons I wanted to have you here was because you have a great story which I know a lot of but like you also have a philosophy which I resonate deeply with which is about really expanding the definition of health and how to focus on physical and emotional safety versus that like progress at all cost mentality plus you just opened a damn business so I want to talk about that (laughs) we were also talking before we hopped on here I'm pretty sure Aaron is the first local guest I've ever had on the show so unreal just unreal milestones milestones for us well let's dive into this I know that you have not always been into fitness so can you take us back and tell us a bit about like what led you to this career path that you're on now yeah no yeah fair question yeah I really have always struggled with my weight 
um, and my health, I guess, and my confidence <laughs> growing up. And like anything other than singing, I definitely felt nervous about. I had this perception of myself that I was definitely a lazy person, that I had to be a certain way in order to be accepted or to belong to my peers, which was, you know, the personality, the funny, the, you know, definitely finding moments like that and moments of, okay, yeah, I can see some patterns and some reasons why I felt a lot of self-doubt and a lot of, yeah, like not at like not confident, not adequate, like those feelings. And I grew up in a Christian household, which I do feel like really did frame, and we're going to talk about this later, but how I made meaning around, well, being healthy first off, right? Which is a lot about like sacrifice and reward, which if you think about religion, like, I mean, if you're going to heaven, you're going to be sacrificing uh, you know, and being a good person and those types of things, right? So I, it was very interesting for me to make that connection later in life. And I was the middle child of three girls. So I never felt, you know, like I was part of the crew. My sister's an accountant and my other sister's a nurse. And I'm very much like pave my own path, so to speak. And I never used to like exercise. And I remember specifically being bullied in middle school and coming home and like binging on sugar and like being in the, the pantry and just going at it. And like, it made no sense. Like, and my sister walked in on me one time, I remember, and she was like, just stop eating. And I was like, I can't. And I just really struggled with food and I struggled with exercise and I didn't like it. And I thought it was a chore and I thought it was a drag. And, and so when I was, maybe 16, 17, I tried out for Canadian Idol. And they said to me, they said, oh, you've got the goods, but you just don't look the part. And that was just like devastating. They actually told yeah. you that you didn't look the part. It's so sad to me. But now they do shows like The Voice where they turn a goddamn around and they don't even see you. So we're coming a, a, a long way as a society, I feel. What year, was it? what year did you try out for that? Oh man, I'm like 35 now. So if I was 16, that would have been like, yeah, like what? Like 20 years ago, I guess. Yeah, like, so that was back in the, yeah, okay. Yeah. But still, the fact that yeah. they said that to a 16-year-old who's still forming beliefs and her perception of who she is, like that's... And that's a hundred percent of like what happened to me. And when I kind of like made that mean at the time that I am not going to be successful. So it just kind of reinforced that story, which I like to call, um, I know you talk about beliefs and stuff a lot, which I love, but that story of like, you are inadequate, like you are unworthy and you have to be a certain way or do certain things to belong. Here comes in. Okay. All right. If I'm not looking the part, let me show you and this is such a natural like you know like push and pull of human nature of like okay I'm gonna get fit now <laughs> I'm gonna lose the weight and I'm gonna show you guys that I am worthy and I am responsible and I am disciplined and I can do things and I can do hard things and and guess what that actually was like really harmful so it's like so funny because we see people out in the surface it's like oh my gosh you're losing weight you're looking good da, da, da. I know we've talked about this before mm -hmm. but then like under the surface I was like I herniated a disc in my back I was like going overboard with things so I lost 100 pounds but not in a very healthy way, which reinforced my, okay, I'm good, I'm healthy during the week. And then I'm binging or I'm 
you know, letting it all go, chuck it, F it on the weekends. And so this like very much like all or nothing cycle was really getting me down. And I was a trainer at this point too. And I started to like, you know, really become a different person, but I was like still stuck in this, like either I'm good or I'm bad, either I'm on the wagon or I'm off the wagon. And I was like, what the hell, there's something else under the surface here. that's going on that doesn't make sense right I'm doing all the things I should be doing and still I'm not like feeling healthy like this is not what healthy feels like what the hell I'm in pain as a trainer at that point were you also experiencing like imposter syndrome at all well that's just it right it's like you have to look a certain way as a trainer even you have to look a certain way as a performer and like you're better or you're more highly sought after or whatever, right? Think about how we've been socialized, like these things, these like, you know, systems, these bigger things really influence how we feel and show up about like with ourselves. So yeah, at this point I was just like, like anxiety, like (laughs) imposter. Like I was just like, who, like, but on the surface though, cool, calm, baby. Yeah, isn't it, don't they say you can't you see the duck swimming but you can't see his crazy legs under the water such a good analogy and that's just like so true of like oh this person looks like she's got it together but really under the surface the way that I was going about it and this is what I love to say with clients all the time it's not what we're doing it's not what we're doing it's what it's why it's it's how we're doing it it's why we're doing it right it's so it's like creating that meaning and so for me I was good if I was skinny and winning and ahead and I was bad if I was gaining weight or feeling bloated or different. And I love to say that body image is fluid and we never feel, and fat is not a feeling. It's actually a story. (laughs) It's how we make meanings. We don't feel fat. Fat is not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's just a belief that you say all the time. So I don't know if you want to like touch on that. Beliefs and stories, like it's the same thing. We tell the stories based on what we start labeling ourselves as and I'm dealing with stuff with the healthcare system right now and it's like people will get labeled and then that becomes their story oh I'm this oh I'm I'm depressed I have anxiety I am that no (laughs) not necessarily we you aren't that it's a thing it's a symptom so yeah is that what you say yeah, it's a symptom of a, what's going on like deeper level, right? But the stories we tell ourselves become our identities. Yeah. And unfortunately, and like I love this. Go. Like your story started when somebody labeled you. Yeah. And it's Damn. like, oh, I guess that's who I am. I guess that's it's me. And like, this is what I have to do to be good, to protect my sense of like belonging and safety with others. So there's this thing, and this is also something that I'm learning that I love, but our social engagement nervous system. So we have our like fit in and fawn kind of aspect of our like ventral vagal. I know you know this stuff, but, and I know your listeners probably know this. And then we have our fight, flight, parasympathetic, sympathetic, right? And so these two like they should have like a pendulation or a titration between them. But if we don't learn how to disassociate, not disassociate, that's a bad word maybe, but make our own meaning and find our own sense of, yeah, who we are within those um, um, nervous system stress responses even, then um, I think that we're able to start to, yeah, like feel more calm and more safe and more grounded in who we are. So even just having the language 
of the social engagement nervous system because that was fueling and I'm going to stop talking in a second but that was fueling no keep talking this is great the fire oh no yeah it's just so funny right that was fueling the fire from my belonging and how and what kept me feeling safe but that that safety was perceived because like you said how I was labeled and what had happened to me and it's so shitty that that happened to me and I actually just made up with my bully couple weeks ago actually which is so funny um uh, when you think about it and you think about how far you've come and whatnot right but I think it's just like thinking and questioning like the things that I feel I have to do to be good are are protective responses of how we've grown up or made meaning and the things that when I'm bad I also have protective so that's one thing I want to say because I know you talk about this a lot but I like to think about our bad habits as not bad. I actually think they're very, very brilliant and they make total sense when we start to understand where they came from and how we're protecting ourselves and our stories and all that kind of stuff, right? So yeah, I think just expanding, going back to that, like expanding this definition. So for me, it was either I'm healthy or I'm unhealthy, which is skinny or fat, (laughs) you know, like it was very binary, narrow in the way that I related to it. And yeah, I just think that like, knowing that there's so many more ways to feel and experience like health and like feeling yourself and your true, like you say, your true authentic self. And like, that is the sense of you know, a lot, as I like to say, our aligned choice and our aligned being and our soul, if you will. Um, but yeah, I think that those responses, those habits. So for example, like me going right to the pantry after school and like finding safety through food, like seriously, it calms us down. <laughs> it does so much for us. Like it's brilliant. It's actually brilliant. But that's like such a protective response from the bullying and feeling outcasted, I guess, if that makes sense. Yep. Total sense. Yeah. So you go down your fitness path, you realize it's not a healthy way of doing it. You're training people. You've got imposter syndrome. Then what made you, what was the next step in that progression? Like, how did you shift out of that? I mean, like I said, I was like, this doesn't feel right. (laughs) I don't know. It just like, I think the intuition or that sense of myself was nudging and I think it was nudging for a long time of like this isn't healthy like even though this is what the experts are telling you to do like intermittent fasting and working Mm -hmm. out doubles or you know it's like this isn't no this doesn't seem right like this is not me honoring myself and my needs like this is me pushing through pain this is me not getting better like so I think like it took it was hard (laughs) to like change that and go for something different or try and like trust my own nudge I guess of like this doesn't feel healthy this doesn't feel right but um but yeah so then I was like hmm there's a bigger there's something else here under the surface and that's when I started I went back to school actually for adult development and like behavior like facilitation just because I think like it's not it's not about, we know eating a bag of chips on the couch every night is not necessarily that good for us, but it's not going to stop us from doing it. And I saw this with clients myself too. It's like, I could sit here till I'm blue in the face and say, morning sun is amazing for your circadian rhythm, you know, or whatever it is. Right. And it's like, that doesn't matter. Like we're still people who feel things, who make choices based off of how we feel. 
And the way we feel is basically how we've made meaning, I find, or I've, I've, I started to explore that, I guess. And so, yeah, this meaning, the sense of like, huh, hmm, there could be another way to approach this and approach health. And so I started looking at it through this lens of safety and I got a somatic practitioner and just like started to start to like be like, okay, I can only top down process so much here. Like I have to like bottom up this. And so when I gave myself some space, even in the nudge and the uncomfortableness of it and started to explore another path, which was uncomfortable, which was, I don't like it, it brought up that risk of, oh, you're going to fail. You're going to gain weight again if you do this differently, you know? And then I was like, no, like, and then I got into intuitive eating a bit and I was like, huh, that's kind of cool too. And so I just like, I just think that like, yeah, the way we've learned about health is just so narrow. And I feel like if we approach it from the sense of safety, like, okay, what's emotionally satisfying for me? It's like, I got to reach out and have these types of combos with people. Okay. What's physical safety? How am I moving? Am I getting sun? How does that help me? Does that support me in my day to day? If not, why am I doing it? Who says I have to, you know, like you say, just question, <laughs> questioning, questioning, starting to be like, who am I? Who am I? Yeah. Yeah. But like, so there's so much in that, that is first of all, the nudge and not listening because most of us, including myself have heard the voice. We've heard the nudge. <laughs> I ignored mine for over 15 years. So it was like, and it gets louder and louder. The longer you ignore it, it'll just start screaming at you. And it is scary to listen to it because that is our inner being. That is our intuition. That is our soul going wrong path, wrong path. <laughs> Something's yeah. Something's not right. not I call it the no-no feeling, but okay. we the no-no feeling because the no-no feeling, we don't trust ourselves because we've been taught not to trust ourselves. Exactly it. It's like we've made meaning that the no-no feeling is maybe what's going to cause that, you know, big catastrophe or that, yeah, that change in career, for example, like, I know you talk about that a lot. It's like, so, I mean, I could ask you, I could flip that back on you and ask you too, like what helped you make that like, and listen to the nudge. Cause I know that you're really into this em embodiment piece, I guess. Mm -hmm. Why is it so? You know what? That's a great question. I love how you just flipped that back on me. <laughs> I, I just like, that. yeah, I know. I feel like I'm talking too much now. So, you know, no, I it's know. Good. but yeah, back and forth. Um. I really got tired of living in the pain state. I knew there was more to life. I also had lost a hundred pounds and then yeah. over the last few years, put it all back on, but not like it wasn't, there was underlying health things going on there, but it was like the whole making the switch. And even at how old was I? 38, I got divorced, 43, I quit my corporate job. Like people were like, what are you doing? I couldn't live in the pain state anymore. I couldn't keep lying to myself anymore. And it was just like, I'm, I feel like I'm in this box and I'm suffocating because on a subconscious level, and you were kind of just talking about this, and from a psychology point of view, it's the risk reward thing. 
human beings, we've been taught to run away from the risk, (laughs) but not to run towards the reward, not to run towards the pleasure. And when I learned to run towards the things that made me feel good, it changed my whole entire life. I was like, oh shit, I like going towards the things that feel good. And that's how I started to create a completely different relationship with myself and like accept myself no matter what size I was at. Like it was just a very, I was tired of the pain. But you have to wake up one day and get really fucking tired of the pain because most people, they will tolerate the pain state. Yeah. And that makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, I know. Because it is so like, um, I don't know. I feel like when we're in that pain state, and I like to call this too, like the our inner protector. Like I know you have that, like the thoughts, the judgments that we have, like, oh yeah, see, this would happen to you. That's that's like a main one in my mind, my inner protector. I call her Ernie, which was my younger child's name, but like she's coming out. And she has a personality of it, but she's like, you know, very self-berating and very judgmental. And I just think that this like inner protector becomes, like you said, our new normal, our new sense of, oh, this is safe. This is, but the thing is, it's perceived. So it's like a one exercise, and I know you probably do this as well, but it's like, does that sound like anyone in your past? Or is that, you know, like what are some influences that have like, <laughs> yeah, like um, where is this coming from? Is this true? Is it? Why, where is the like, what's, where's the proof that this is true? And there never is any. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Right. And I do, I do like to say that we're not here to prove your story wrong because I feel like it's like gotten you to like such good places too. Right. It's because I think if we think it's wrong, there is, and this is a lot with the food and the body image stuff. There's a lot of shame that comes from, oh, I didn't work out today. So there's this automatic, like, you know, little bit of guilt or a little bit of self-berating, like Ernie would come out on the scene if I missed a workout. And then that would be like, chuck it, F it right away. Netflix and chill. Who cares? I've already broken the stream. So, so we get into these very binary ways of being that become, like you say, our new sense of, oh, but it's like, you say like, is it though? Like maybe it is. And that's cool. But like, is it? Well, and it's wild because before I met you, actually, I had been beating the shit out of myself in a gym for 14 years. I then, as I was building my business, took myself out of the gym for two years. So when I met you, I'd only been back training probably for a year. Right. And I took myself out of the gym because I had to create a new relationship Mm. with training. I love that. I had to create a new relationship with why am I doing this? Am I doing this to beat the shit out of myself because I ate a donut? Or am I doing this because I fucking love the sound of the plate smashing together? Yeah. That's why I'm doing it. Yeah, but you have to, I had to create a new relationship and it was not an easy journey. And I'm sure a lot of your clients coming to you also have to create new relationships. And like the food piece is so hard. Like the exercise piece is hard. I think they go together in tandem. And I feel like how we eat is 
often a representation of how we're living on a very symbolic level. And I don't know if you want to get into that. We don't have to. But I do think that this metaphor of safety, if we think about the, our mothers and like milk. And so like when we're craving ice cream, if we can start to understand that this is like a cry to like, will you be my mother? Will you be my mother? Will you be right? So it's like these patterns around food that become so ugh, don't want to get emotional, but like so all encompassing, you know, um, we feel like there's no way out. We can't cope in other ways. We can't right? this pain threshold. And then it's like, okay, I'm going to stop, but then I can't. And it's like, and I don't know if food is addicting, but I do feel like there are way, there are many chemicals that are put in food now that could make it, you know, so there's lots of nuance. There's lots of complexity around it. We really hold that space for everyone at Rebel for sure. Like the gym that we're creating in Guelph and stuff. But I just find that if we look at food through and our patterns about food and exercise around like, okay, like, like, am I, am I self-sabotaging around this stuff? You know, a lot of people call it that, but I think when we can start to relate to it as like, okay, how am I protecting myself here? How is food giving me this sense of safety now? And what do I need maybe instead? Like you said, you had to create a new relationship around exercise, which meant stepping away from it from a bit or starting to create new metrics is what I like to say, which I love. It's like, okay, why is this helping me? How can I connect this to my values? And like, I think it's really cool. And in Soul Hunger, we talk about this, but it's not just the values. This You'll like this too. I do think you'll like this, but it's not just the values. It's how we've, def it's how we've been socialized around those values. So for me, for example, my mom was like a productivity queen. She was da -da 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 everywhere. And so I started to make meaning that productivity is busyness, basically, <laughs> like literally nonstop go like versus then when I started to step back and be like, OK, how do I want to define productivity? Like what's important to me about making an impact versus just being busy just to be busy. Right. And then we have a busy new, thing. Oh, <laughs> I still struggle. It's like a never ending, uh, you know, stream, I think. But like. Well, because that's part of the self-concept, mm -hmm. right? And we, my generation especially, grew up, because I'm much older than you, but like we grew up in the busy. I came from corporate. You had to always be busy. And busy became this like badge right. of honor. Yes, 100%. And busy signified successful. I love that. <laughs> I love it. It's so true. And then we have these things called our noble inner protectors, I feel, which is like, okay, this is what I have to do to stay ahead and to stay successful. And if I'm not doing that, then I'm a piece of garbage or, you know, like I know it's not that extreme, but sometimes it is. It can extreme. be that extreme for people. Some of the people who come, yeah. it is that extreme. I could see that. I could, and like, bless you for coming to Brenda. Okay, bless your hearts, bless you. <laughs> Cause it's hard, it's hard to get that support too. Like it was for me, like a hundred percent, you know? Cause I feel like there's like a little bit of shame of like, well, what is wrong with me? And it's like, I feel like if it's like, well, there's nothing you've just been strategizing for so long in certain ways and certain, you know, so it's like, huh, huh. And it's very easy to become imprintable. I know you and I were talking a bit about this, but even years ago, I'm, I worked with certain business coaches who were trying to mold me into somebody that I wasn't. And right. so I wasn't showing up as me. Like I wasn't right. being true to my values. I wasn't showing up with my saucy mouth. I wasn't like, it was and it, it's, we get very 
imprinted. This is who you should be. And, you know, I feel like that happens going through our whole lives. Think about being, think about your sister when you were in the closet, just stop eating. And that's, that's a big thing for people too. Yes. And I used to joke, like, if you tell me not to do something and this is a subconscious thing, your brain, again, I would be like, you go fuck yourself. I'm going to don't eat that pie. Okay. I'm going to eat the whole pie now. You just fuck off. Yeah. (laughs) You're not telling me what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the sense of control, like that's really what it comes down. We really want to go. Oh, but it is, especially with food. I find it's like the sense of control and how we're like, and like, I think even when we feel full, it gives us that our nervous system, a chance to like exhale. So if we're sympathetically on all day, what does my boss think about me? Is that person doing that there? Oh my God. Okay. I'm da, 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 I gotta get this done deadline. Then like are we're wired and we're, you know, and then it's like, okay, food becomes this like grounding, like sense that we get like phys- like nervous system wise and physiologically, psychologically, all this stuff. So I think it's like, oh, that makes total sense. And I think just this whole idea of like, huh, if we approach it in this way of like, there's nothing wrong. It's just, yeah, it's just a way that we've kind of like kept going through life. And you mentioned something of like, it's imprinted. And I feel like I like to say we like discard parts of ourselves. Almost. We absolutely. And this is in like, this is in like um Jungian theories and stuff, but like, this is like shadow work, you know, all this stuff too, but it's like, we discard parts of ourselves so that we're like, will you pick me? And that, I remember me saying that I was like, will you pick me? You know, like versus when we're in that, like really aligned like self and place which takes practice I feel (laughs) Mm -hmm. um we are doing the choosing and we're doing the choice and I feel like if we're in more choice versus feeling that we need to be in control then we can have enough bandwidth to just our nervous system can expand the tunnel vision that happens and then open us up to new possibilities like you say and it does sound woo it does sound kind of fluffy i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it does, it does. but i think it comes back to this centering like tools of safe like like you do the the guided meditation stuff right like that is a safety signal like we need to practice that those methods <laughs> and what works for us so that we can have more capacity, I think, to start well, to choose. Well, and also different. people need to realize, and this is a lot of what I do as well, that most people don't get to see, but it's like, I don't, people don't need to tell me about all their traumas. They need me to help them release them out of their body. Uh, and I didn't even know for years until I started working with like my coaches, my good coaches, that like for 40 years, I lived with a jacked up nervous system my whole life (laughs) same and when you like when you recognize that because back in the olden days they didn't talk about that stuff it wasn't like oh your nervous system needs to be regulated (laughs) it's like what yeah just stop eating (laughs) exactly exactly and that creates more of a binary which makes it hard for us to even think outside the box so to speak right as a rebel it's like okay I should just be able to stop eating. <laughs> what the fuck? And it's like, no, there's other things going on. Your nervous system, your emotional being, your, right? How we make meaning, that sense of ourselves and our identity and our values. It's all going on under the surface. And I like to say it's like that Titanic shit, right? It's like yeah. you're, going, you're getting clipped by the iceberg, but it's under the surface. And I guess it's just hard. I think it's also in one of the questions I get my clients asking themselves, because it was one of the questions that changed my life was any time 
you start looking at something, not going, oh, fuck, what's wrong with me? It's you change the language to what's going on with me. Because the right. moment you can start asking what's going on with me, your body will give you the answers. Mm-hmm. Your mind will give you the answers. Your energy will give you the answers. We are mind, body, spirit, people, mind, body, energy. It's mm-hmm. all connected. Mm-hmm. But we've been so disconnected. We haven't been able to hear the answers. It's like we got earmuffs on. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And then it's hard because I even say this happens with our blood sugar too, because over time, as we keep doing these, you know, self-protective patterns, so to speak, of like going in, going out, that's what I was doing, at least it like starts to numb our like insulin response too. And then our blood, it's like our blood sugar is wearing headphones and then we feel shittier about it. Then it's even harder to make a change and harder to make a change versus like, okay, no, there's this sense of okay, I have to be okay with where I'm at, which is a huge piece of it. And I was reading this book the other day too, of like, it's a sobriety book. I just, it's, I'm not an alcoholic. I just like talking about this stuff and addiction. I find it (laughs) fascinating. I do. Yeah. But one of the things is not my response, my, it's not my fault, but it is my responsibility. Yeah. Self-responsibility is key for all of this. We can blame all of the circumstances outside of ourselves, but until we look at ourselves and be accountable. And it's hard. It's, it's so hard. hard. I know. Yeah. And that's why you need maybe a coach or something, right? Like, or an environment or in a community, because I think um, we are social creatures. I don't think we can, I think we can heal alone for sure. We can, I don't know if we should heal alone. <laughs> I feel like our patterns might come back or that's what happened to me at least. Right. Or we're not really, that's why we all have, we all have coaches. Coaches have coaches. I would never hire a coach who doesn't have a coach of some sort. Doing the work. How (laughs) would you explain doing the work? In what context? In the inner work you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, I mean, on the surface level, level of that it would be really just becoming self-aware of what's going on and becoming self-accountable so that you can go deeper inside start to recognize like on a subconscious level where is some of this stuff coming from because our subconscious stores every experience and situation we have in life and it gives it meaning based on the emotions we had at that time and now people will be like well, your subconscious is always trying to keep you safe and it is. So it will pull memories up, but your subconscious also loves the good things that happened. And so it will pull up good memories to drive you towards pleasure. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of about Mm -hmm. like recognizing there's layers. I I always Mm -hmm. say layers of an onion. So it starts by start peeling off the top layers yeah is the it is the work <laughs> so right. recognizing that you are an onion is the work yeah exactly <laughs> and yes and then start peeling off the layers and it's healing doesn't have to take a long time I've been doing this work for a long time I've coached people for over 20 years in different capacities we don't have to keep going back looking for what's broken to move forward mm-hmm in our lifetime, our subconscious mind will bring the shit up that needs to be healed. And that's where the self-sabotage comes in. That's where the repeating patterns come in. Your subconscious is really like, you got to take a look at this because like, yeah, 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 yeah. Something's up. 
pain yeah. is here in some regard. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. And I love how you say that that's like, okay, when I'm getting that awareness of the onion and if I'm able to just sit with that, like, yeah, like self-sabotage as a symptom or as a pain point or as a nudge, if you will, to change what you're doing or to shift, um, I think you're right of the I don't, I don't need to talk about <laughs> like, that's like for me too. I don't need to talk about, I won't say his name. Mm. I want to say his name, but I won't say his name. But I don't need to talk about my bully, but I do need to like create a new relationship around him and what he did for me or not to, or didn't do for me. Right. Cause I love to say that trauma is not what happened to us. It's what we didn't get at the time. So for me, obviously I did not have that sense of safety in my family for some reason to go and say to them like that's this is what I need guess what I don't feel comfortable in my own skin yeah and I didn't get that so and it's not their fault by any means I don't right but it's like family and friends do the best they could with what they had yes and when it comes to the emotional charge of traumas that we store I mean even with what I do I can't take the memories away but I can take the emotional charge out of your nervous system I love that. Yes. And that's a great way. And that's what it needs. You need safety signals like to do that though. You need to, like you say, manifest it. You need to work on those after you need to work that in and some capacity. I'm working with a somatic practitioner. So we need to like, she's getting me to do VUs. I don't know if you've ever done that or heard about that. Yeah. So it's like, whoa, sitting with that. And like, no wonder I was addicted to exercise and singing for so long it got my goddamn nervous. Now I'm really like, I was trying to regulate. <laughs> I was trying to regulate. I was trying to regulate like with singing, over-exercising, overdoing it. Like, and now it's like, huh. Okay, Don't you love those aha moments when you're like, huh. Ah, oh, that's interesting. I had one the other day. I was like, I used to love going to see like my osteopath or whoever, and they would oscillate me. And I was like, I would joke. I was like, can I just pay you to oscillate me for like an hour? Because my nervous system would calm right down. And I didn't know that that's what was happening back then, but I was like, oh my God, just please keep oscillating me. (laughs) That's so dope. That's so amazing. And I think that there's so much um, profound subtlety in these like nervous system tools, so to speak. And that's why I think in uh, incorporating the exercise piece in a slow and sustainable way is like, if we're trying to change our patterns and our habits, which I love to work with people on, I think that we need to get out of our mind and into our body a bit. And I just feel like all I know how to do is take people through progressions and like really get them to certain places. So it's like, okay, if we could start and start to create a meaning around exercise and how it relates to you and to food and to it's like, oh, not only are we talking about our, you know, I'll say trauma, but emotionally what happened to us that made us turn to food, for example, in my case, but then it's like, oh, now I'm getting in my body, which a lot of my clients come and they maybe have an exercise in a bit, or they need some support to stay consistent or whatever. Right. But it's like, oh, now I'm getting that. And I'm having someone there just to be, be there. Like that's big. We like, we need that. Like it's well, and going back in your body is a big thing. And some people, some right. practitioners will try to shove people back in all at once. And that can be a, another huge issue. Right. Like, woo, woo. but I want to talk about That's this safe. whole, like, because you're so into this stuff <laughs> and you, you, oh my God, we literally, this could be like such a I long know, episode. Sorry, girl. Sorry. No, it's great. <laughs> but I want to talk about the business side of things because right. in this day and age, most fitness facilities are going online 
So Mm -hmm. what inspired you and your husband to be like, no, let's open a brick and mortar fitness facility. Oh my God. It's so funny. Every person that comes through to see the place or whatever, they're like, God, I would never do this. I would never, everyone says it. And that's like, oh, all right, guys, calm down. Like, yeah, like you're not freaking us over here. No, no. But I think it's just like, I mean, Matt and I have been working together like closely with our clients for like so long over the pandemic. And like we were training them in our garage for so long. And I know the gym that we were at, it didn't go over well, but we were definitely, we were hiding. (laughs) We were meet and we met there, which is great. Amazing. But yeah. So I think like, I don't know. I think, I think because we have each other, like to be frank, like because we have each other, I just think that that's very helpful. Like getting a good team and a good like tribe and a sense of support around you, like-minded people, like having a good vision and like feeling empowered with what you're doing. And like I said, not being busy just to be busy. It's like, if I'm leading with what's the impact that I want to make, okay, I'm going to move some clients around so I can come talk about that. Like, this is important to me. People need to hear, you know, so it's like, okay, then it's, I'm not going out and doing more clients later. It's like, this is the, this is the filtering of the decision that I'm making for the day or whatever. So I guess just like having that like support, Matt and I obviously love each other. We met at fitness. Funny thing is, is he used to be my trainer and then I married him. So that's, yeah. (laughs) So he brought me into the fitness world for sure. And inspired me a lot in a lot of ways. And I think, yeah, just feeling like different about health and fitness, like feeling like we're not in it for the, you know, maybe the most modern reasons of diet culture and fitness culture of like looking certain ways or progress at all costs. Or, you know, skinny is the best, like, cause I had to do a lot of work to not have that be the driving factor for me to exercise period. Right. So I think just really like having a good like vision of instilling a different impact of exercise and health, I think is very helpful because otherwise I would be still stuck in that socialized way of relating to the world. And my inner protector would be like, okay, fine, I'll do this. I'll choose this business partner or I'll do this business thing or I'll do that. And maybe I wouldn't be bankrupt by now or something. Right. So it's like, okay. Like <laughs> so as a couple in business together, how is that experience? Like what have it's been intense. some of the biggest challenges you two have had to face opening this place? Yeah, I mean, having boundaries around, okay, like at a certain time, we're not talking about like, like work, you know, like definitely having those clear, being very clear, clarity is kind. So uh, uh, having those clear set expectations, um, what was it like, basically just what the question is as a couple, how do we do it? Yeah, like, how do you, I love the setting boundaries, not talking about shit at certain times, but like, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've had to work through with each other while opening the business like did yeah was there challenges opening the business or did it just was it just like poof there it is well it wasn't gonna be the two of us first off and then I think as we sat back and like really like allowed ourselves to get clear more clear on our vision and what we wanted we were like okay no we're gonna go ahead of just doing it the two of us so that was very helpful and I think communicating that and being very clear um it challenges around money are a huge thing I mean in all relationships I feel like it's a big um pain uh, stressor you know so I could see my patterns coming back into (laughs) right like overdoing things or going into that people pleaser I know you talk about that and I think that's a very protective thing but it's like oh will you like me will you like my gym like please you know so it's like okay we need to like 
take some time to bring the energy back in, which is something I would have never done before giving myself space to choose differently, I guess, if that's the, if that's the easiest way to say it. So yeah, I think, does that answer your question yeah. you a little bit more? No, that's great. I mean, it was just so hard. I mean, it's so hard, man. Like the business, you don't know the industry we're in. We don't know. Uncertainty is a trigger that's like constant. And so I think like, I think using these tools of like, okay, what, what, what are my, like, what is important to me here? Like, how do I want to show up? How do I want to feel about me when this is done? Because guess what? I can. That's an okay thing. It's not your selfish. That right there's the most powerful statement is like looking at how do I want to show Hard. up in the world, not just as myself, but how do I want to show up in the business? How do I want to show up in the community? How do I want to show up online? How how do I want to show up as my true and authentic self in all of these spaces? Yeah. No, I love that. And it's like so hard because I think I it like before I would have been like, how do people want me to show up? Mm-hmm. Versus like it's actually okay for me to like lead myself first here. Doesn't make me a bad person to do it that way, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was a cool mm-hmm. thing. I mean, it's, a, yeah, it's a, it's a never ending journey and uh, I'd be happy to continue. <laughs> we can have like many hours of philosophical talks on this, but yeah, it's just, well, you know, owning a business is hard. And so I just uh, appreciate you so much for this. Well, I appreciate you for having these conversations. Is there like a couple, like two or three tips that you could give the listeners just to help them kind of start finding more freedom and peace with food or training? Because that's a big thing about what you talk about based on like your philosophies. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that. I think like what is, because I know you say that we do things that'll be, that'll feel safe. And I think that like safety of what we do those protective things or our patterns or habits that we don't like I think like I think I think that could be perceived a lot of the time like I think that's the way we found like for me with food that's how I coped that's how I grounded that's how I got through hard emotions you know so it's just been such a rich part of my life and that's okay Um, but I think if we can lead from this place of like, okay, what is aligned for me here? Like, how can I hold? And I think in diet culture, we kind of get stuck in this like binary very easily. I'm either good and healthy or I'm not, and I'm off the wagon. And I think if we can learn to hold the space for like nuance and complexity and just your own wants and needs and understanding that like, yeah, like it's not a selfish thing, I guess, to lead with your desires and your pleasure. And I think as a society, we've we've definitely like gone away. Well, even think about this meritocracy, we sacrifice like patriarch, we're, we're less. So why would we want to go to pleasure? We've never done, right? Like we haven't done it as naturally. So I think once we can sit in that and we call this like the, the I always get this wrong, the yang, the yang, I would say this wrong, yeah, the yin and the yang, yeah, yeah, that always makes fun of me, but this feminine energy of, like, flow and ease and acceptance and creativity and, like, being, being okay to define those in your way versus what the expert says is the right way to do things or to be healthy, and I think once we can find that, like, aligned choice for us, I think it doesn't start to feel like a chore as much, like, I feel like things become more simple, like, for me, it's, like, I don't even have any food noise anymore. I don't even 
like it's crazy so I think yeah if you're feeling stuck in the pain of food and exercise know that there's a different way there's a different path and I think if you have some courage like if you realize you're an onion that's very courageous I feel like we need a shirt that says I'm an onion yes yeah (laughs) okay 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 that's good so yeah I think the safety and like centering that versus and going for those things that help us and fill us up and all those things right and creating new metrics around that is going to be the biggest driver in us actually changing because Einstein said if he had an hour to save the world he'd spend whatever the whole time trying to define the problem than actually solving it so it's definitely a lot about the meaning and so I think yeah I just think it's such a powerful tool so if you have a little bit of capacity to to sit with that pain. I feel like it could tell you something. And hire a coach to help you move through it. One who knows the that the the nuance too, like Brenda, yes. is, right? Or like like the one Aaron, can, when you're, I'm gonna send people to like your Instagram, and I'll send them to yours and the Rebel one because I know yes. you do some online stuff as well. It's not just local, but mm-hmm. like if you're in this pain state and you're looking for a fitness person, a trainer, a coach that can help you really move forward from this place of safety, you need to go talk to Aaron. (laughs) You need to have these conversations. I know you do like a little clarity call, so I'll link everything up in the show notes. I have a question that I ask all my guests. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) What does living a limitless life mean to you? (laughs) Oh, girl, this is good. I should have known this was coming. Um, I think a limit, yeah, I think having, I think being brave and rebellious in the pursuit of normalcy is a limitless life, if that makes sense. So being brave enough to question the status quo of what it means to be good or bad or do things right or wrong or be successful or hardworking or whatever and start to really find your own like option, your own option C and really experimenting. And I think being limitless in your life is understanding that change is not linear and things aren't linear too. And I think holding that space is important if you want to keep your life keep your life continuing to be limitless I don't know if that makes sense but yeah totally makes sense thank you so much for rearranging your day to have this conversation with me (laughs) to all of the listeners listening to this if you found this helpful if you're like having these aha moments tag me tag Aaron on Instagram and if you don't remember what her handle is when it's in the show notes just tag me and I'll make sure she sees it yeah friend is dope friend is dope (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me today i I really appreciate it and i know people are going to get so much out of this and just like you're not alone it's all good that's all i'm saying and we're all onions okay (laughs) yeah (laughs) if you loved this episode i would love and appreciate if you would go leave me a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast because those ratings and reviews help this podcast grow and expand and reach new people. And it helps me know that you are digging this content. So until next time, 
Sending you lots of love and lots of gratitude.